0: That we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom, so check it out at getpuroair.com. That's g-e-t-p-u-r-o-a-i-r.com One more time, getpuroair.com. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand, and that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today for a conversation with author Shauna Nequest. Her new book, I Just Haven't Learned That Yet, is full of stories of how we can cope with unexpected change, letting go of previous seasons, and embracing the present. I've been a huge fan of Shauna for many years, and this interview is yet another example of her incredible way with words. We talk about letting go of old ways that no longer serve us, learning to let go, being easily delighted, and more. But before we get to the conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help others find this podcast and ultimately help it succeed and continue to grow. Lastly, if you finish my book, Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity, I would love it if you could leave a review on Amazon. As I've said in previous episodes, it really does help other readers find the book and it prompts the publisher to print more copies to keep it in stock. Really, truly, thank you in advance for doing this. I know that it's tedious, I know that it's not fun, but it is so appreciated. All right, as for my minimalist moment or my minimalist resource for you all this week, I think I've mentioned this book before. It's called Glow Kids, How Screen Addiction is Hijacking Our Kids by Nicholas Carderis. So I do believe I've shared this before, but I have a second resource for you and this is Trumi Wireless. So Trumi Wireless is a cell phone company they offer a phone, it's a Samsung A12. It's powered by Trumi, but they say their mission is to provide kids with guardrails for safety and opportunities for growth, learning, personal discovery, and preparation for the future. And they do it by creating solutions that empower children to pursue their dreams vigorously through a safe, balanced relationship with technology. Okay, so I did just read that from their website. I truly believe in this phone. I think it can help with bullying. I think it can help with online predators. I think it can be helpful for children that are spending way too much time on their phones as you can set the limit and the boundaries there's no social media on these phones I will be transparent with you I did just become an affiliate with true me so the link that you're going to see in the show notes is a link that has my special code or however they determine that in there all that to say I would never recommend something like this that I didn't truly believe in I'm not at the stage where my children need phones yet but I absolutely plan to go with True Me in the future. I believe in their mission and I think this is one of the best ways that I can help to protect my kids in our modern culture. So I know that it's not for everyone and that different parents are going to parent different ways. You can learn more about some of the apprehensions I have in giving my children cell phones at such a young age if you end up reading that book that I mentioned in the beginning. But I really can't rave about these phones enough. and. I think that they are a great resource for someone looking to give their child a phone without giving their children all of the extras that they really don't need and that aren't beneficial to them. But again, to each their own, I just wanted to give you this option if you hadn't yet heard of it. All right, I think that's it for now. As you can probably tell in my voice, I have a bit of a cold. I can't decide if it's allergies or if I just have a cold. Regardless, it's starting to hurt to talk. So let's just get into this conversation with Shauna Nequest. Shauna, thanks so much for joining me today on the minimalist moms podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Good morning.
0: I know. Good morning. I was telling you I'm recording in my car again today, so I'm going to keep myself muted while you're talking, just so you don't hear the passerby of the trash truck that is behind me. But why don't you go ahead and tell me who I'm talking to right now? Why don't you go ahead, and give a brief introduction of who you are. And if you consider yourself to be a minimalist.
1: That is a great question. Um, My name is Shauna Nequist, and I'm a writer, and uh, I just finished my fifth book. I've been a writer for 15 years. I am married. My husband and I have been married. We just celebrated 20 years, and our kids are 15 and 10. We have two sons, and we are lifelong Midwesterners, but um, three years ago, we moved to New York City
0: Yeah. And what we were talking about before we got on is that maybe you hadn't even considered yourself a minimalist previously, but what it takes to move to New York City and condensing your space and living in smaller spaces kind of forces you into a simpler lifestyle.
1: Oh, that's 100% true. And of course, I'm just realizing I did forget to answer that part of the question. I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I would say I am a very practical person when it comes to stuff. Um, I like to have stuff that I use. I like to have stuff that's, um, yeah, useful and helpful and reasonably well organized. and uh, but I wouldn't say I've always been all the way on the minimalism side, but living in a small space has really forced me, like there kind of there's two phases of it. first, getting rid of so much in order to live in such a small space, but then also realizing um, how much, easier and more pleasurable it is to live in a small space if it's not cluttered. Like we just don't have extra inches for anything. And so I have become a kind of constant declutterer and a little bit of a minimalist in that way. And that's been a a good experience for me and for our family.
0: Absolutely. And how old are your two boys again?
1: They're 15 and 10.
0: Okay. So they do have say I, I'm thinking about my two sons. It's it's easier to declutter with them because for the two and a half year old it he doesn't care. He- he has no say, but with your older boys, I bet it's interesting to have that dynamic to where they are invested in the things that they have and they, they do have say. So how is that living in a smaller place? This is just a random thought that popped into my head.
1: Well, no, you know, it's a great question. And in some ways it's easier. And in some ways it's harder. It's a lot easier because they don't, they don't really do a ton of toys anymore. Like the older your kids get, like all, you know, for years there were like treasures, you know, all the, Batman guys or all the Legos or all the, like the idea of, of getting rid of any of those would have just been terrible. Now that they're older, the stuff they play with, if they're playing, isn't really, you know, toy stuff. So that keeps it easier. Um, and I really do try to give them choices <laughs> like, hey, look at the square footage of this shelf. You get to fill it. Whatever doesn't fit on the shelf has to go so that they, so that I'm not always making those choices for them, but they're making them themselves. Um, And that works most of the time. And every once in a while, I definitely do that mom thing where something's just missing and I'm like, I don't know where it went.
0: So that somewhat transitions into my question for you, we're going to be talking about your book. I guess I haven't learned that yet. And I want to talk a lot about learning to let go and what that's looked like in your life as you've moved, as you've let go of old habits, old ways of thinking. And I'm wondering why it was so important to you to use that phrase. I guess I haven't learned that yet after your big move.
1: Well, you know, the move was sort of A real gift in that it was a resetting of almost everything. You know, we were in a new part of the country, in a new, very different lifestyle, around different people, going to a different church, sending our kids to different schools. Um, Everything was changing, and we really welcomed that. And a lot of the, I had thought we would live in our hometown forever. I had thought we would live kind of in that same way forever and to reset everything was really hard and also a great opportunity to make some changes and to learn some new skills. But this is the thing that we found, even though we believed in it, even though all four of us were really excited about it, it's really hard. It's hard to be the new kid. It's hard to be the new mom at school drop-off. It's hard to not know how to do anything. It's hard to get the subway wrong every single time. It's hard to figure out how to get your laundry done when you're used to having, you know, a washer and dryer. And so what we noticed as a family was as much as we very much believed in this move, we were getting a little bit fatigued by how confusing everything was. And so I remember our kids were coming home like, I don't. Why don't I know? Why don't I know how to do this? Or how did everybody else figure this out? Or, and I realized they were starting to feel some stress and like, am I falling behind? Am I not getting the hang of things? Have I made too many mistakes? Kind of at the bottom of it all, they were asking like, am I dumb? And I was like, oh gosh, okay, 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 okay. We need to have a totally different set of conversations. You're not falling behind. You haven't made too many mistakes. You're not dumb. This is what happens when you're a beginner somewhere, when you decide to begin again, when you sign up for being a rookie every day. So I, I wrote this phrase, I guess I haven't learned that yet, just trying to kind of reframe the moment we were having. And I wrote it on a piece of paper and I stuck it on our wall and I said, listen, this isn't just for the kids. This is for all four of us at the end of every day, we're going to ask each other when during the day we said it at least one time, I guess I haven't learned that yet. And it started off just as a way to kind of give ourselves to the freedom to not have it all figured out, to get it wrong and try again, to ask for help. It ended up becoming so much more than that. It became really like a, like a mantra almost to hold on to for me through middle age, through some health problems, through so many cultural changes and through a pandemic. And We're not supposed to know everything already. The point of it is to be learners, to be curious, to ask for help. And so that phrase has become so valuable to me, such a kind of a handhold through a really turbulent season.
0: Absolutely. I can relate to that. Uh, My daughter, we started homeschooling her this year. She's in the first grade. And. Some days are better than others. And on those bad days, when she gets frustrated, because I would say that she has some perfectionist tendencies, I'm like, it's okay. And I, I say somewhat of the same thing to her, but also to be a lifelong learner. And that doesn't just mean it's in the bookish way. Being a lifelong learner of being open to learning and growing and that either could solidify what you already know to be true, or to expand in the way that you've already been thinking. So I really like that you use that for your boys, especially in an overwhelming environment like New York City that, that probably is really hard to be a beginner in certain ways that I wouldn't even have expected.
1: Well, I think it is. But the other great thing, I mean, it's, it's totally an overwhelming environment. You're exactly right. But one of the things we, we learned is that most people by and large have moved here at some point, like you don't that often right now meet people who were born in New York City. Uh, or at least in our neighborhood. And so everyone was new at some point and it means they know how it feels and it means they're really open to helping you kind of get your footing. And that was something that we didn't necessarily think about going in, but we've become really like, like ask for help. People love to be asked to, to offer some of their expertise or their body of wisdom. And so we've become like just askers. And it, so then we get to know new things. It means we also get to know new people because uh, there's a little connection then created when you've asked them for help.
0: What about you? What was a way that you were possibly living when you were still living in the Midwest that shifted when you moved to New York? What did it look like in your life?
1: Well, one of the biggest shifts is I, you know, I had, I lived in my hometown with uh, my brother, lived on my same street. My parents lived nearby, my college roommates and childhood best friends. I I had such a really well-established and deep kind of circle of community. And I really loved that. I was really grateful for that. We spent a lot of time together, lots of baby showers and, you know, marking people's like moments and memories and celebrations. And then I moved to New York and I knew literally nine people well enough to text them. And that is not a lot. And, um, I think I was overestimating really how well I knew like three or four of them. Um, and people have busy lives and the city is big and we live kind of far away from each other. And so I went from like a very like robust and thriving community, lots of layers and a sense of real familiarity to like, I only have a handful of friends and they don't know me very well and I don't know them very well. And it's really difficult. You have to put a lot of effort in it. Everything feels sort of like a first date. And I had to get used to a much quieter way of life, a lot more one-on-one time. There was it was less like you know parties and gatherings all the time. And and you had to start over in so many relationships. And, um, those are worthwhile skills to develop, but it's not easy in the process.
0: Yes. I'm thinking about someone listening that I don't know if they'll have to fill in the blank of what they're learning to let go of, but what was something that helped you to do that? How did you give yourself grace? Did you repeat something? Like you said, a mantra
1: to yourself or what did it look like? Well, one of them, you know, there's this idea and it's, it's an idea all through culture, but I, I, I'm not great at it. Um, So I have, this sounds like I'm going off on another tangent, but I promise we'll get there. I have historically not, uh, I love summertime. Summertime is my jam. I love flip-flops. I love ponytails. I love blueberries and sweet corn and the beach. And also I am not wild about fall. I don't like it. I don't like cinnamon generally. I don't like boots. I don't like turtlenecks. I don't think cozy is better than at the beach. And this has been controversial. A lot of people get really frustrated when I say this because people love fall, but I don't, um, I like summer better. And I especially have bad feelings about fall because it takes away my summer. Right. So like, I I don't love it, but what I realized as my life was changing so much, as I was having to let go of so many things, is I realized like, wait a minute, this is built in to the very world we live in. These seasons are here For a reason. And there's something for us to learn from them. And I was essentially trying to live in an eternal summer. And nobody gets to live in that. You have there, there's summer is about, you know, life and, and flourishing and freedom and freshness. And then fall is about letting things die in order to make way for the silence and rest of winter, in order to make way for the new life and the new buds on branches of spring, right? Like it's built this way but I I was really resistant to that. And so I would say for anybody who's having trouble letting go or letting the seasons change in their life, thinking about it as seasons has really helped me, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're in a particular little kid season right now. Mm -hmm. I'm in a almost junior high and high school season. If I were to pretend I have little kids right now, that'd be really frustrating for anyone, for everyone involved. So what does it look like for each of us to look at our lives, honestly, and say, what season am I in right now? Doesn't matter what came, what was before this. I can't fast forward into what's next, but what does it mean to be right here right now in this particular season?
0: That's really great advice. And I will say I am a fall girl, but I, (laughs) I do like all the seasons. There's something great about all the seasons. And you're right. When you look at things through that lens, there's going to be pros and cons in all of those seasons. Like I don't love the rain in the spring, but I do love the flowers. And so thinking on the bright side and trying to stay positive and pulling out those little moments of what I, I think it's interesting. You say you are someone who has a goal to be easily delighted. So I think that if we find little delights in our day, that can be really beneficial when moving through difficult seasons.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I think it's really easy to say like, oh, this is a bad season. It's all bad, 100% bad, categorically bad. And I'm waiting for a good season where everything's lovely and delicious and delightful. And I don't think most of our lives work that way. I think they're all kind of mixed up together. Some are certainly darker than others. And some are lighter and happier than others. And that's lovely, but there are almost always still kind of challenges and hard days and buggy things in the great seasons. And there are reasons to be grateful and delighted in even the darkest seasons. And that's worth finding too.
0: When you talk about seasons and how, I don't know, I guess I've never lived through a horribly tragic season of my life. Like there's been some rougher ones, but I would say that like during those rougher seasons, even if I can't find anything good that comes out of that, I can see the good through others that maybe I've been dependent
1: on during that season. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think that's that's part of it is when you're in those horrible seasons, it's really important. It's not always possible. Sometimes it's just like you need to let a couple of days go by and be like, hey, this is just rough. Yeah. When you can find your footing just for a second to say, okay, this is rough. Also, a friend showed up to me for me in a really meaningful way, or, oh, that, that text came at just the right time, or I really felt supported in this conversation. Those are worthwhile things to mark, um, to be, to be noting the goodness, even in a season of a lot of pain and challenge. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Just do a quick search for Takovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Uh, I want to talk about relationships here as we kind of wrap things up, but you use the phrase living lightly. You talk about it in downsizing your home and possessions, but you also talk about living lightly with relationships and unforgiveness. So I guess, what does that mean to you these days living lightly?
1: Well, you know, so if you picture, picture, like if if you have like a, you have a house and picture, there's a room where you just keep throwing things that you ultimately don't want or need. You just don't want to deal with them right now. Right. I have had those rooms. Definitely. I had a whole basement like that at a certain point. I had a guest room like that picture all the stuff that somehow came into your life and it's not, you don't need it and you don't want it. and You don't love it but you don't want to do the work to get rid of it. You just throw it in there and then picture how that feels over time. It starts to feel like, ew, like I'm carrying a lot with me, right? So um, it's easy to do that, I think, emotionally as well, right? You hold on to little resentments or you keep uh, a record of wrongs or you kind of keep a list of buggy things about a relationship that's gotten a little off track and pretty soon, That room or that basement or that garage is just full of the things that you wish were different about that person or the things that have gone off the rails in your friendship or the lack of forgiveness or the desire for revenge or the, I mean, all of that. And at a certain point you realize like, I don't want to live this way anymore, not because of what it's costing them. It's not costing them a thing. They don't even know about it but it's on my shoulders every day. It's affecting and infecting me every day. And so at the same time that I was like, literally giving away or donating or selling most of our possessions, uh, because they weren't going to fit in this tiny little apartment. I was also every day trying to do the work of leaving behind some of this pain and anger and resentment just a little bit more every day so that I could breathe again so that my life felt lighter again. And so when I think about that phrase, live lightly, um, I want our apartment to be a space where we have one of everything and everything has its space, but it feels like you can breathe. It feels like you can let your shoulders down. It feels not like you're surrounded by stuff. And I want that on my insides. I want to look at my emotional life and look at my heart and look at my spirit and look at my choices and say, I've cleaned out everything that needs to be cleaned out in order to live with a lot of space and peace and freedom. That's what living lightly means to me.
0: Now, I think that's a great way to live. One thing we didn't touch on that I didn't ask you before we talked today was, What did this look like for your husband? I think that a lot of us can take this information that we hear on podcasts and it's all good to apply it to ourselves, but like, I just wonder, did your husband, how did he walk alongside you through these seasons? I guess
1: in terms of walking through painful seasons or in terms of figuring out what to take when we were moving.
0: I don't know. Maybe both. Like, I think that learning to let go. Like, did he, did he have his own methods of that, or like, yeah, I guess how yeah. was supportive to That's you? That's a great
1: question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My husband, Aaron, wanted to move away several years before I did, and he wanted to live kind of an adventure well before I was comfortable with that idea. So he, I was like driving our roots down into the ground. I'm like looking for a farmhouse out in the country. I want, you know, beautiful countertops. I want my forever home. And he's like, I want to travel around the world. I want to move to Brooklyn. I want to move to San Francisco. I want like, and it felt like we were really mismatched in that season. I was like, I would like 17 Sets of dishes and fancy sweatpants, and uh, you know acres. And he was like, "I want everything I need in a backpack, and I want to learn from people who are different from me, and I want to uproot everything." And it was really scary. Uh, it was the first time in our life. You know, we had probably been together maybe sixteen years at that point, point. and it was one of the first times in our lives where it felt like, I mean, we're very different, but the difference never. It felt um, like the two could coexist so well in the same life. Like we know how to manage me being extra an extrovert and him being an introvert. We know how to, that doesn't, that doesn't mean it, it doesn't feel mutually exclusive to good lives. And all of a sudden this felt like, wait a minute, there is no you getting what you want. And I getting what I want. Like, we can't simultaneously travel around the world and buy a farmhouse, like those things don't coexist. And so we had to really live in the tension of that for a long time. And what we eventually decided, and it was not easy and we didn't do it particularly well, was we had done we had lived the way I wanted for a very long time. And it was ending. It was very clear that it was ending. We were leaving our church. He was leaving his job. A lot of the friendships that had really anchored us were ending or shifting in our lives. And there was this openness. It was like fall turning to winter. And I was still longing for summer. It was like a lot of good things have died and we need to make a new life. And so that was our moment to say, okay, I've... I've sort of been the captain of where we live for a long stretch, and it's clearly over. I'm going to let you be the captain. I'm going to, you know, for this next season. And that's what brought us to New York. And it's been wonderful, but it was not an easy process for us to get there. And um, I hope that when it comes time to make another similar big decision, we'll do it more graciously. But I would say we really struggled to figure out how to make that one.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's easy to take a few tidbits from a podcast and try to apply them to your life. But I think that in reality, it can often be a little bit more tricky, especially when we're living with someone else. But like you said, for you, you guys are kind of yin and yang. My husband and I are very yin and yang too, but it, you're right. For the most part, it works. But then when you have these like life-changing Uh, ideas or just ways that you want to live differently, it can cause some tension there. So I appreciate you sharing that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online or buy a copy of your new book?
1: So the books are available on April 12th everywhere. They are in big stores and little stores and local bookstores and big online stores. And there are several different versions. Um, Barnes and Noble has an exclusive version that has an extra chapter in it. Uh, There's an audible version as well. So um, April 12th, they will be available everywhere. And then also, if you wanted to find me online, I'm mostly um, on Instagram and that's just um, EsneQuist.
0: Great. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what has been a beneficial resource to you that you would like to share with the listeners?
1: Might be stretching the definition of resource, but I have been really excited lately about Etsy. I've been trying, you know, as we live in a very small space, I'm really careful about what we buy and what goes in, comes into our apartment. And, um, I've been wanting a set of vintage dishes, but I didn't want like extremely expensive, fancy. Oh no. What if I break one dishes I wanted? Like they're beautiful, but they're also a little banged up and I can use them every day without worrying about them. And I found just like the most perfect kind of mismatched half set on Etsy. And I was so excited about it. I also bought a piece of artwork there that I really love. So I think when you, well, no, I was going to say, I can't go to target. I don't have a target nearby, but I don't have a home goods. I don't have it. Like I can't just walk into a home store and start putting things in a cart. Like I need a tiny little piece of artwork that goes just in this tiny little corner. That's just like this, you know? And so Etsy has been a really good place to look for very specific, especially vintage or handmade things. And those have, that's felt really exciting to me lately.
0: Yeah. It's kind of why I like going to antique shops too, because it's a lot of Etsy shops. Sure. They can replicate what they're selling, but I like that you can find one of a kind pieces on Etsy or in antique shops because it feels so special and it has a story.
1: I totally agree.
0: All right. Well, my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about?
1: Okay. So if you were to ask my friends, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I know about your new candles. I I don't know how we ran across this company, but there's a a company, I'm, I'm not like sponsored by them or anything, I just really like it. Um, called the Sibling Candle Company, and you're they're like really high quality candles. Um, and the fragrances are from like natural oils and they smell beautiful, but they come to you in like a Ziploc bag that you put in the microwave, and then you can repurpose any like container or vessel in your house to become the candle holder. And it's like very minimalist. It's like tiny, tiny bit crafty. It feels like my kids get to put it in the microwave and it turns to liquid. They get to measure out like what container they want to use and they get to put the wick in and that kind of stuff. And so um, they get to pick a mug or an old vase or an old candle holder. So it keeps us repurposing things again because in a small space, that's important. But They also just smell amazing. So I'm a total fan of sibling candles.
0: That is really neat. I love that. I think that's a great gift too.
1: It is a great gift. I've given people sometimes even like a, like a special mug or little jar or vase, and then the candles that go along with them or a fancy set of matches to go with the candle wax kind of a fun gift.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing a little bit about your life. I hope people pick up a copy of your book. I just finished it and it was really wonderful as are all of your books that I've read. So I highly recommend them giving you a follow and checking out your book. And thanks again for your time. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.